God is so good. But many times I miss his goodness because I forget to thank him. And I don't have the gratitude that I should have. I'm, God does a great thing in my life, but then it's like, oh God, but what about this? What about this? What about this? Or I look at the bad things in my life, the problems, and I miss seeing God's goodness. But God is so good, he can only be good because that's who he is. But we have to open our eyes to see all the goodness that God wants to bring into our lives so that we don't miss it, so we have our arms out to catch the goodness that he's bringing because every good gift is from the Father of lights. Every good thing in your life is from God. And God wants to give you some of his goodness today. He wants to give you some encouragement today. God is for you. He wants to lift you up. He wants to give you a blessing today from his word that's life-changing do you need a blessing from God's word today? I think we all do, so let's pray to him. Dear Lord, we come before you. We just thank you for all your goodness. Lord, forgive me for missing your goodness and looking at the things that aren't right, looking at the things in this world that are so bad. And Lord, help us to see the goodness that you're bringing in our lives you're so good to us, Lord, and you want to bring some goodness right now, so I pray that you would. Lord, we know that you want to speak to our hearts through your word. You want to change our lives. I pray that you would speak into our anxious hearts, into our worried hearts, into our fearful hearts, into our wanting hearts today to give us exactly what we need. Help us, Lord, be ready for it, to expect it, and I just pray you do miracles in the next few moments through your word, through the power of your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. I recently came across this list of unusual fears that some people experience, and these are actual fears. They're pretty unusual. First one is ophthalmophobia, and it's the fear of being stared at. And I'm glad I don't have that one. I've got a lot of fears, but not that one. This one's unusual, arachibaturophobia. It's the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. And some people actually have that as a debilitating fear. Stay away from peanut butter. That would be my counseling advice. And then there's pagonophobia. That's the fear of beards. Fear of the beard. And then there's pelotophobia. That's the fear of bald people. And I hope you don't have that. And then there's Chorophobia, it's the fear of clowns, and that's a legitimate fear. Clowns are creepy, don't you know it? Yeah, some people are going, amen. Amen to that. What a blessing, Pastor Kerry. Clowns are of the devil. Thanks for telling me. And then there's didascalinephobia, it's the fear of going to school, and I think some of the high school students are writing that down right now. They're gonna use that tomorrow. Teacher, I've got didascalinephobia, look it up. And then, this is true, this is a real one. I wouldn't have believed it if I hadn't looked it up. Hippopotamonstrosis quipdelaphobia. It's the fear of long words. That's what you call irony right there. Can you imagine going to the psychologist and saying, hey, I've got a problem. Every time I see long words, it just freaks me out. Oh, let me tell you what you have. You have hippopotamonstrosis quipdelaphobia. Are you freaked out by that? Yes, good. Fear is an emotion shared by every person who's ever lived. 
We all have fears. God gave us the ability to fear. Fear is not a bad thing. The emotion of fear can protect us from danger. For example, if you're walking in the woods and you hear a rattling noise, you look up and see a rattlesnake coiled up just five feet in front of you, overwhelming fear instantly kicks in. You go into fight or flight mode right away and you run away. If you didn't have the God-given capacity to experience fear, out of curiosity, you'd probably walk up to the snake to get a closer look. You might even try to catch it with your bare hands. I mean, sometimes the opposite of fear is not faith, it's stupidity. And so God put, it gave us the ability to have the emotion of fear. Fear is not a bad emotion. It's fear out of control that's bad. Fear was meant to be protective, but uncontrolled, it becomes destructive. And we all have fears that can easily overwhelm us and become irrational, unproductive, and even debilitating. Last year, Chapman University did their annual survey to determine the most common fears that Americans are experiencing and the intensity of those fears. And it turns out that 85% of us suffer from tremendous fear and anxiety. So if you have some overwhelming worries and fears and anxiety today, you are not alone. Here's a list of the top 10 biggest fears that Americans have. They listed 95 fears and they counted the ones where people said, I'm very afraid or extremely afraid. Number 10 was biological warfare. Number nine was pollution of oceans, rivers, and lakes. Number eight was economic and financial collapse. Number seven was not having enough money for the future. Number six was polluted drinking water. Number five was the U.S. getting involved in another world war. Number four was people I love dying. Number three was Russia using nuclear weapons. Number two is people I love becoming seriously ill. And number one was corrupt government officials, which I don't think that's fear, that's just fact, isn't it? I don't know why that showed up. <laughs> now, almost all those fears had something in common. They all had to do with the future. One of our greatest fears is the fear of the future, the unknown. That's when we're starting this new mini-series leading up to Easter that I'm calling Just for Today. And it's all about how we can experience the goodness of God in the middle of uncertainty. And I know this series is exactly what so many of us need because God wants you to be encouraged today. He wants to dispel your fears and fill you with faith and bless you with his goodness today. I want you to hear what Jesus says to your anxious heart right now. Would you stand in honor of God's word? It's really short, but it is sweet. Matthew 6, 34, Jesus said, so don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrow too. Live one day at a time. You can be seated. Jesus says, the secret to overcoming the fear of the future is to live one day at a time, trusting in his care. There are two days you should never worry about, yesterday and tomorrow. If you're worried about tomorrow, you'll miss out on God's goodness today. The Bible tells us to plan for tomorrow. It's being responsible to plan for the future. You plan for tomorrow, but you live one day at a time. We can make plans for the future, but we can't control the future. We worry about the future because we don't know what the future holds. It's uncertain, it's the unknown. None of us can predict the future. None of us know what's going to happen in the future. Experts are wrong all the time. Only God knows, but there's something in us as human beings where we wanna be certain. 
We don't like uncertainty. We want to control the future. We want to know what's in the future. And we want to have a say in it. We want to control it, but we can't. Hey, it's good to plan for the future, but the only thing that takes away our fears and gives us certainty is God's plan. And there was a time in the Old Testament when God's people were very confused and filled with fear about the future. They were in captivity in Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq, and their enemy had conquered them and brought them back to Babylon. They're living in a foreign country. They have no idea what's going to happen next. Their future is up in the air, but God speaks a powerful word of encouragement into their fearful hearts through the prophet Jeremiah. And I believe God wants to speak these same encouraging words right into your fearful heart today. In Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God says, you don't have to be afraid of the future because I'm already there, and it's a hope filled future for you. God says, I've got a plan for you. So step into my plan and you'll find my peace for today. See, the most important thing I can do is look to God and his plan for my life. But too often we look to everyone but God. We look to our news feeds. We look to so-called experts. But we have to look to God and find his wisdom for the future. First and foremost, I need to seek his hope-filled plan for me. In Jeremiah's day, the people were listening to a lot of wrong voices. There were a lot of false prophets who were spreading lies. They were saying to the people of Israel who were in captivity in Babylon that everything's going to be okay. All your problems are gonna go away. They're gonna vanish instantly. Everything's going to be perfect because God is going to destroy our enemy, the Babylonians, any day now, and he's gonna take us back to the promised land. God's going to restore us back to the promised land, and it's gonna happen any day, so... You better pack your bags and get ready. Forget about settling down here in Babylon because it's just about to happen. Everything in your life is going to be perfect. There's gonna be no problems, no pain, no difficulty. Well, that's what the false prophets were telling the people of Israel. But here's what God says through the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 29, verse eight. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. So God speaks to the true prophet Jeremiah, and he says, don't listen to those who are saying you're gonna go back to the promised land right away. Get your bags packed because God's going to destroy your enemy, and then we're going back to the promised land, and everything's gonna be perfect. We'll have no more problems in the future. Don't listen to those lies, God says. Then God goes on to say, yes, in 70 years, I'm gonna bring you back to the promised land. I'm going to destroy the Babylonians, but right now, I'm going to build you up and bless you and meet your needs and work miracles in your life while you're surrounded by your enemies. Right in the midst of your enemies, right in the middle of your problems, right in the middle of your pain, I'm going to bless you and strengthen you. God tells them, I'm not bringing you back to the promised land right now. In 70 years, I'll destroy the Babylonians and I'll bring you back to the promised land, but right now, I'm gonna bless you in Babylon. 
I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to give you wisdom. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to build you up. I'm going to do miracles in your life and in your family in the middle of all your problems and stresses and uncertainties. Right where you're at right now. I'm going to bless you in Babylon. This was hard for the people to understand. How can we be blessed in the middle of this stress? How can we be blessed in this bad situation? But I truly believe that's what God is saying to his people today. Because we're not in the promised land yet. Heaven is the perfect place and we're not there yet. Heaven is the promised land. It's the place of no more problems, no more pain, no more sickness, no more fears, no more sorrows, no more tears, no more death. That's the promised land. But right now, we live in a broken, messed up world, filled with problems and pain, filled with sorrow and stresses, filled with uncertainty about the future. We're not in heaven yet. We're not in the promised land. We're in the broken Babylon. But God says to you today, if you'll stop trying to make everything perfect in your life, if you will stop trying to control the future, if you will stop trying to make this place on earth, the promised land, I will bless you in your Babylon. Don't worry about the future, God says, because I'm gonna bless you right where you're at. Don't worry about the future because I'm gonna watch over you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to work in your life in the middle of the problems, in the middle of the pain, in the middle of this messed up world that you live in. I'm gonna build you up. But the people of Israel wanted to go back to the promised land right away. They wanted God to take all their problems away in the present before they trusted him with their future. They wanted their timing rather than God's timing. They wanted God's will, but they wanted it their way. And we can only have God's will his way because it's not God's will anymore if it's not his way. God's will is always done his way. I always have to make them move to move into God's will and God's purpose for my life. God doesn't come over to my plan and the direction I wanna go, even if it's a good plan, even if I have good motives. I have to pray and say, God, what is your plan for me? I'm the one who's got to make changes. And God says to us today, hey, there's gonna be problems. There's going to be pain. There's going to be difficulties in your life in this world. You're gonna go through situations that you don't understand. I'm not gonna lie to you. You're gonna have difficulties in the future. But just know this, I'm going to meet your needs in the middle of the problems. I'm gonna meet your needs in the middle of the pain. I'm gonna work miracles in your life in the middle of this mess. It's not that God is going to clear up all our circumstances where they're perfect, that's heaven. That's where everything's gonna be perfect. That comes when we get to heaven, but God says right now I'm gonna bring you through the problem. But I usually pray God take this problem out of my life. And that's a good prayer. God wants us to pray that prayer. God, take this problem out of my life because many times he works a miracle and he takes the problem out of my life. But sometimes God says, I've got something better for you. I'm gonna take you through the problem. I'm gonna build you up through the problem. Sometimes he says, this time I'm not going to change your circumstance. I'm gonna change you through the circumstance. Look at this next verse. In Jeremiah 29, four, it's so encouraging to me. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. 
Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. So God is really telling the people, don't let your fears about the future keep you from living in the present. He's saying, stop waiting for everything in your life to be perfect before you really live. Are you always waiting for everything in your life to be perfect and all your problems to be gone before you really do the things that are most important, before you really enjoy life? Are you waiting for that someday when it's less stressful? When everything settles down, someday when it's not so busy, I'll really live for God. Someday when it's not so stressful and I don't have so many problems, I'll get really intentional about doing the most important things. If you're always waiting for God to work his miracles constantly in your life to make everything perfect, you're going to be waiting a long time because that's heaven. God will work his miracles in your life, but he's not going to take all your problems away because we live in broken Babylon. One day, we'll get to that perfect place, heaven, the promised land. But right now, God wants to work his miracles in your life, one day at a time, right where you are in the middle of the problems. God gives his blessings one day at a time. That's why Chris and I go back over and over again to the lesson we learned from our grandson Jude, who only lived for one day on this earth, and it's this. Whenever tomorrow overwhelms you, pray just for today, Lord. That just for today prayer. Just for today, Lord, give us your strength to make it through another day. Just for today, Lord, give us your wisdom because we don't know what to do in this situation. Tomorrow is too much for us right now. That overwhelms us thinking about tomorrow. So just for today, give us the blessing that we need. Just for today, give us the miracle that we need. And really, tomorrow is always too much for us because we don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. When things get overwhelming, just pray, God, just for today, give me your wisdom to know what to do. God, just for today, give me your strength to get me through. God works his miracles in the moment, one day at a time. You see, a day can be filled with pain and beauty at the same time. It can be a mess and a miracle at the same time. And if you're waiting for everything to be perfect in your life before you enjoy the moment, you'll never enjoy life. When are we gonna wake up and realize this is our one and only life on this earth? When are we gonna take hold of every beautiful moment, every crowded moment, every stressful moment, every amazing moment, every awe-inspiring moment, every problem-filled moment, and realize this is our life. You'll never take advantage of the opportunities that God gives you if you're waiting for everything to be perfect. This isn't the promised land. And here's the amazing thing. Your greatest fear is usually your greatest opportunity to experience God's blessing. Your greatest fear that you wanna run from is your greatest opportunity to experience God's blessing. So if you have fears about the future, financial uncertainty, fears about what's going on in the world today, fears about your kids, fears about your future, then just realize those fears are your greatest opportunity to experience God's blessing. You see, a wise bird knows that a scarecrow is really an opportunity. 
A scarecrow is really an advertisement. It announces, hey, there's some very tasty fruit or vegetables here, and they're here for the taking. You see, there are scarecrows in the best gardens, and the devil, your enemy, puts scarecrows in all the best gardens. He wants to use your fears to keep you from God's best for your life. And when you see a scarecrow, when you face an overwhelming fear, just know it's the enemy trying to keep you from God's rich blessings. And faith is choosing to see our fears as the very bridge to God's blessings. So the worst thing you can do when it comes to the fears that you feel is run from your fears or feed your fears. But everything in us tells us to run. So you have to feel your fears. A lot of Christians don't understand this. They think whenever they feel fear, it's a sin. And they go, God, forgive me for being fearful. God, forgive me for having this fear. And they try to suppress the fear. And whatever you resist will persist and it will get bigger. And so you've got to feel your fears. You can't help it when you're overwhelmed with a feeling of fear. It's part of the way God made you. So don't try to suppress the feeling. You have to feel it but you don't have to believe it. I've told you before, don't believe everything you feel. But feelings are your feelings, but they're not always real. It's not always truthful. They're real feelings, but sometimes they're misleading. And so you gotta feel the feelings. It's almost like you're a third person. It's like, whoa, I'm filled with fear. Oh no, what's wrong? What's wrong with me? No, just step back and go, wow, I'm really filled with fear. I'm overwhelmed with anxiety. That's interesting. You know, what's really causing this? Instead of going, God, forgive me, I shouldn't be this way. No, just feel that fear. Don't suppress it. You feel it, and then you face it. You don't have to let it determine your actions. You don't run from it. You don't feed it by keep looking at your news feed, keep mulling it over, over and over and over and over again. You don't feed it, you don't flee from it, but you face it. Last summer I was jogging on the trails around my house and when I jog, Chris always makes fun of me because she says, I can walk faster than you jog. <laughs> and she can't because she, she keeps up with me but she can't beat me, I'm always a foot ahead of her as she's walking. But you know, I was jogging probably three miles that day very slowly and I was about a mile from my house on the way back when I felt something sting me on my leg. And I looked down, and it was a huge horsefly. And I thought, yikes, that's awful. So I ran a little bit faster. I definitely could have beaten Chris. I was running a little bit faster, and I thought, I'll just run past, and that horsefly won't get me anymore. And then, boom, it bit me on my back, and then it just kept coming after me. I ran faster and faster, and that thing just kept on coming. I said, I'm going to outrun this thing, but it just kept on coming and biting me, and, and I ran the fastest mile I've ever run. <laughs> I mean, it almost killed me. And then when I got in the side door, I shut the door, and that horsefly smashed into the window and the door. It's like, my goodness, I must smell like a horse. I don't know what's going on here. But then I did a little reading about it. I looked up horseflies on the internet and I found out that it's the female horsefly that before she lays those eggs, she bites and gets blood and she's gotta get enough blood to have those babies. That's more information you need to know. I don't know how I'm telling you all that. But anyway, <laughs> here's the point. 
that that female horsefly will keep coming after you, biting you and biting you and biting you until it either gets enough blood or you kill it. I realized it was either the horsefly or me. And the next time I went out to jog, I brought a weapon. I wore a hat. No, I didn't bring a gun. I brought a hat. And I probably should have worn it anyway so my head wouldn't get burned, but sure enough, I got bit. And I go, whoa. And I look down, there's the horsefly buzzing all around me. I took my hat off. Boom, I started flinging that hat all around. It took me about 10 minutes. I must have looked like a fool out there just swinging that around. And boom, I finally hit it, squashed it. Hallelujah, praise God. (laughs) Sorry about the violence, but sometimes God calls us to take things by violence and force. And I did. I stood tall, I stood my ground and faced my fear and destroyed that fear. But you know, so many times when it comes to fears, I wanna run from those fears. And those fears just keep after you, keep after you. You can't outrun your fears. You can't outrun a grizzly, you can't outrun a horsefly. And you can't outrun your fears. You have to feel them and face them. But don't feed them. You don't feed the grizzly either. Don't feed them, but you gotta face it and bring it to the Lord. Go, Lord, I'm afraid right now. I feel this fear, and so I just give it to you. Don't let it dictate my life, Lord. Help me make decisions, not out of fear. Look at Jeremiah 29, 11, because this is the part of the passage that a lot of you know, and this is the part that I want you to memorize, meditate on this week, maybe write it down, put it on your refrigerator, on your mirror. I love Jeremiah 29, 11, but I wanted you to know the verses before it and after it and the context of it. But God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So God says, I know the plans I have for you. It's a personal, purposeful plan. I know those plans that I have for you and it's to give you hope, a hope-filled future, to bless you, to build you up. You see, God had a good plan for the Israelites, but it wasn't their plan. You see, the people of Israel couldn't experience the blessing until they faced their fears. They had to come to terms with the fact that their plan wasn't God's plan. Their plans for going back to the promised land, hey, it's a good plan. Seemed like a great thing to go back to the promised land and those wicked enemies to be destroyed, but it wasn't God's plan at the time. Their plans of going back to the promised land right away were blown away, and they had to let go of their plan. They had to grieve their loss before they could experience God's goodness, and that's what positive faith is. And I say that because some of you have made some plans, and they were good plans, they were perfect plans, but God has blown those plans out of the water, and you have seen those plans crash and burn. They have gone up in smoke, and it's time for you to let go and to realize God has a bigger and better plan even though you can't understand it right now. It's time for you to grieve a little bit and admit that it's over, but God has something better planned. It's time for some of you to do some grieving and let it go. We have these plans and we hold on to them and we hold on to them and we hold on while God has a better plan and we miss God's best. What I'm saying is if your dream is to play in the NFL and you've been praying about it and praying about it and you're not giving up but you're 50 years old and run a 10.240 yard dash, it's over. (laughs) Grieve it, let it go. What I'm saying is some of you had plans for this perfect job but someone else got the job. 
Some of you had plans to have this perfect marriage and now you've experienced the pain of divorce. Some of you had this perfect little plan and it's crashed and burned. So what do you do? You realize that God is not through with you yet and you let go and then you acknowledge that God is bigger than the problem and that God will see you through and no problem can stop God's good plan for your life. God's got something better even though you can't see it right now, even though it makes no sense to you right now. He wants to build you up and he wants to bless you in your Babylon. I love how this passage says that, hey, build houses, you know, increase there. You see, God's a builder, he's always been a builder. And he calls his people to build up rather than tear down. It's a lot easier to tear down than it is to build up, but God wants us to build up even in Babylon. He wants to bless you in the middle of it because he has a good plan. Maybe we can't understand it right now, but he wants to bless you with his peace and his strength and his provision right here, right now, and he wants you to be a builder, to build that relationship, to build that walk with him, to build that business, to step out in faith and say, I'm not gonna let my fears of the future keep me from being a builder in the present. So you have to feel the fear, you have to face the fear, but you don't have to feed it, you don't have to focus on it. What do you focus on? Not your news feed, but you focus on God's care for you. You give your fear over to God, you say, God, I feel so much fear right now, I'm overwhelmed. I feel paralyzed with fear, but I give it over to you. I give it over to you, and I'm gonna focus on your power and your promises. And I love Isaiah 43, one and two. Somebody needs this today, probably every one of us. I know I do. God says to you, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. God says, I care so much about you that I will watch over you and protect you one day at a time. You'll go through some floods in life. You're gonna get wet, but you're not gonna go under because I'm gonna get you through. I'm going with you. You're gonna go through some fires in this life in the future, but you're not gonna get burned because I'm gonna protect you and I'm gonna go through it with you. You can trust me. Stop trying to control your future and surrender to God's care and control. You can't control the future anyway. You surrender to God's care and control. And I can surrender control to God because he cares so much about me. That's why you need to get to know the promises of God, meditate on the promises of God, instead of all the negative things out there that you can just keep going over and over and over again in your mind. That's what meditation is. If you're a good worrier, you can be a good meditator because when you just go over and over again, these worries in your mind, you could be praying about it. You could be going to God's promises about it. And worry is worthless. It doesn't help anything. It just messes up the present, keeps you from experiencing God's blessings and goodness today. And so I can surrender my future to God's care and control because he cares about me and he's the one that controls the big picture. And God's plan is greater than all my problems. God's plan transcends all your problems. Look at Romans 8, 28, a passage that we all know, probably the most quoted passage in scripture and also the most misunderstood passage. Look at it from the Phillips translation. It says, moreover, we know that to those who love God, who are called according to his plan, everything that happens fits into a pattern for good. Focus on the two words, we know. 
It's not, I wish. It's not, maybe. It's that we know as believers that all things will work together for good. That God can bring good out of every situation and any situation. We know for certain. So there is something certain in this very uncertain world. If you're a believer, you know that everything that comes into your life that God allows, somehow he will work good out of it and bring good out of it. There is a grand designer. And life is not just some series of random accidents. There's a grand designer and he has a grand design for your life. He has a personal and purposeful plan for your life. And this promise says everything, everything, everything that comes into my life, God can bring good out of it. Does everything include marriage problems? Yes. God can work good out of those marriage problems and bring you closer to him. God can help you trust him more. Yes. Does everything include financial loss? Yes. God can bring great good out of it. Does everything include divorce? Yes. Does everything include the loss of a loved one? Yes. Does everything include even when I make a mess of things and it's all my fault? Yes. God can bring good out of everything and anything even my greatest mistakes. And it says here that it all fits together. Not all things are good. This is where it gets misquoted a lot. Hey, everything's good. Remember Romans 8, 28. Hey, you're a believer. It's all good. Everything's gonna work out. Don't worry about it. Not all things are good. A lot of things are bad. A lot of things are awful. A lot of things are evil. But God can take anything and everything and he can fit it all together and bring good out of it. I love homemade chocolate chip cookies. I love any kind of cookies, to be honest with you. But have you ever made homemade chocolate chip cookies? Have you noticed when you make them, the ingredients by themselves don't taste very good? I mean, just eat the flour by itself. See how that goes. Raw eggs, disgusting. And I don't care if you're working out and think that's great, that's disgusting. Salt, baking soda, awful. Drink a big cup of vegetable oil. See how that goes down. By themselves, all the ingredients are pretty bad. About the only thing that tastes good in homemade chocolate chip cookies are the chocolate chips. But if you mix them all together, whoo, yum. The smell of hot chocolate chip cookies coming out of the oven. I don't wait for them to cool down. I burn my mouth and gets all over my hands, and they're so amazing. And God can take the bitter, the sweet, the good, the bad, and the ugly, everything that comes into my life, and put it all together, and mix it all together, and make something beautiful out of it. So I can stop trying to control the future, and surrender my fears, and surrender my future to God, because he's in control. Look at Jeremiah 29 again, in verse 12. God says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God says, come to me. Admit your fears. Feel your fears. Face your fears and then bring them to me. Don't focus on them. Don't feed them. Start your fears. Feed your faith by looking to God and saying, God, I give them over to you. I surrender control to you. Then a few minutes later when you start worrying again, God, I surrender that over to you. Help me do what I need to do today to follow you. Just for today, Lord, give me your wisdom and strength. Just for today, give me your goodness. I need it. Sure, plan for the future. But more importantly, you look to God's plan for your future. 
I love Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Hey, one plus God equals a majority. You may be surrounded by everyone that's against you. All your circumstances may be coming against you, but if God is for you, who can be against you? Nothing, no one can stand against God. If you're on God's team, you're on the winning team. Now, God's not gonna come over and get on your team. You have to come over and get on God's team, but God invites us, come be on my team because I'm gonna fight for you and I'm the victor. You see, Christ follower, Hold your head up high. You walk out into this world and you may have people come against you. You may have all these circumstances come against you. You're in Babylon, broken Babylon, but God wants to build you up. God wants to bless you. And if God's for you, what does it matter who's against you? What does it matter what circumstances come against you? Because God is for you. And so you are a victor. You win because you're on the winning team. And one day you get to go to the promised land, that perfect place. But right now God says, I'm gonna bless you right where you're at right where you're at. Hey, if God is for you, who can be against you? Let's stand together and thank him that he is for us. He is for you. We don't understand all the things that come into our lives, but we know this, God is for us. Let's bow together and let's just thank him and let's look to him right now. Just think about the greatest fear that overwhelms you today. Maybe it's the fear of financial loss. Maybe it's the fear of the world just going up in smoke. Maybe it's a fear in a relationship or a fear for your kids. Or We all have these fears and can't help it when the feeling of fear hits, but you can feel it, then you can face it, and then you focus on God. God, we focus on you today. We thank you that you love us so much and that you care about us so much that we can trust our future to you. Lord, just for today, give us the wisdom to make the decisions we need to make. Just for today, give us the strength to take the next steps. Just for today, bless us and build us up and strengthen us to be builders of people and builders, Lord, in our community to build and to step forward in faith to receive all the things that you wanna give us. Lord, we don't understand all the things that come into our lives. Some things make no sense right now but we trust you that you can take all of it and bring good out of it. And so we trust you, Lord, that you're in control. Even though this world looks like it's in chaos, spinning out of control, we know that you're still on the throne and you still have a plan and you're bringing it all to the crescendo, Lord, where you are crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So we look to you today and we ask you to bless us and strengthen us. And Lord, just calm those fears. And I know some folks within the sound of my voice or going through the most hurtful time of their life and it makes no sense and it's confusing and they don't know what's next, just let them know that you're gonna see them through. You're gonna take them through the fire, you're gonna take them through the flood and you are going to see them through. We thank you for your protection. We thank you that you're already in the future making a way for us. We surrender to your care and control because Lord, we can't control it. We need you. And Lord, I pray for those who aren't on your team. Lord, they've got a lot to be afraid of today. If we're not on your team, Lord, there's so much to be fearful of. But today, Lord, I pray that they would just say this prayer silently to you right now. 
Dear Jesus Christ, I admit I'm trying to control everything and I'm failing. So I surrender to your care and control. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and come into my life and be my Lord and fill me with your peace. Help me grow in my faith. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed to receive Christ, he came in your life. Now you've got to grow. Take the next steps. Join the church. Be baptized in believer's baptism to follow him, to show that you're a Christ follower. Get in a life group. Get connected because you can't live the Christian life alone. It always involves others. God's plan for your life always involves others and encouragement from others. So grow in your faith. I love Numbers chapter six, verse 24. It's really the spoken blessing that God gave Aaron, the priest of the Israelites. He said, if you'll speak this blessing over the people, then this will come about for them. If you'll speak this blessing, this is the blessing, and God gave every word of it and told Aaron to speak it. Well, now we're the priests of God because of Christ's death on the cross. He's made a way we can go directly to God. You don't have to go through a priest or a pastor to get to God. You go directly to God. The Bible says you are now a priest of God. And so we're to speak this blessing over each other. You're to speak it over your family, this blessing of protection and strength. We're to speak it over our church. I want you to speak it over your business. You can speak this blessing. And God says, I will come through for you. Speak this blessing. And Chris and I speak this all the time over you, Willens Church. We speak it over our family. We speak it over you. We speak it over this community and city. And we speak it over this world. And here it is. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. I spoke that over you. You claim it today and let's sing it. Let's sing the blessing. Because God is for you. God is for you. He wants to bless you right where you are and to build you up. Let's sing that blessing. Sing it over your family, sing it over your relationship, sing it over your workplace, sing it over everyone here, and let's sing it over the world for God's glory. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.